many times have you thought, I would love to do this or that? Maybe write a book, start a charity, create a kid's puppet show, build a sustainable clubhouse, go on the trip of a lifetime, create a production company, whatever that thing is for you, I hope this podcast inspires you to believe you can. I'm Karen Vaughan and this is the Get Off The Bench Podcast. Howdy and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench Podcast. I hope you enjoyed Jamie's episode last week. She is phenomenal and she's already had people contacting her to... um, be the I'm not I'll say guinea pigs but that's not what I mean to be the the tributes I think she called them to uh, do a few for nothing so that she could start to build a portfolio so these I can't wait to hear them it's going to be fantastic this week I want to talk about Cambodia I've been saying it for a few weeks haven't got there yet I've been struggling to put um, I guess something together because it's just It was so much, there's so much I want to talk about. I'm still going to keep this one short and I'll probably break it up into a couple. But, you know, we went in, Nick and I went in uh, at the start of December and our trip was to a couple of weeks in Cambodia and then a week in Vietnam. In Cambodia, we, well, I guess the other thing I wanted to say is I probably wasn't, I was unsure about what to expect and I probably didn't expect it to impact my heart so much. So, so much so that we will be going back because, and they say that about people who go to Cambodia, that they fall in love with it and and most go back. But it was amazing. And we went over there to do some tra- training with a, a charity called Heartprint. And Heartprint are... Absolutely fabulous. They've got like a community hub and they bring a lot of particular youth come in and do sort of extra sessions outside of school, you know, extra curriculum and um, tutoring and that kind of stuff. And they've also got uh, a women's group. So the mums come and they sort of learn that they're actually important. They've got some self-worth that they can do some great things. They also build houses and toilets and put kids through university and it. there's so many other things. They just did a big Christmas thing where they gave backpacks with, um, uh, you know, personal hygiene stuff and toy to about 400 kids. They just do some incredible stuff. So it was a real honour to be asked to go and do some work with them, a real honour. So while we're there, we did or I did, but Nikki was an incredible help. And if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't have all been able to yell out, Nikki, every 10 minutes. But that that's a that's an in-joke. I'll tell you about that later, maybe. Anyway, so I went over to do my... Um, it, it started off as the, my Confident Leaders program, and that's what we thought. Hey, wouldn't that be good? Well, Wendy, who runs Heartprint with her husband, Gary, who's been doing it for, I don't know, about 10 years, I think, and... God, they're phenomenal. She said, I'd love to have your Confident Leaders program over here uh, with our staff. Now, clearly, my Confident Leaders program is a six-month program and we get together once a month. And so that wasn't going to happen in that format. But we worked out a way to distill it down to like an accelerate program. And it's kind of like 
the, the whole program in a zip file, if you like. And it was fabulous. We did five half-day sessions and basically it was like the core elements of leadership, some team building, some personal growth stuff. And I also did one session with the, the youth group. Now, I'll just talk about the youth group first and then I'll come back to the other one. And it's, this isn't just about the program. This I'm going to tell you a whole lot of stuff that about Cambodia and just stuff that really surprised me and, and reasons why I reckon you should go to Cambodia and check it out. With the youth group, you know, I started doing... Um, the, the session was on what's great about you, you know, it was about confidence, it was about self-worth, who am I, and really exploring, hey, what are the great things about me? And what I discovered, and I, I, I wasn't ready for this, is that I know that youth are not big on, you know, saying great things about themselves, but these youth had sort of been... I don't know, had succumbed maybe to a culture of it's not acceptable to talk about myself or we just don't do that, you know. And no, but I don't think anybody has actually said that to them. I think it's just a kind of, well, you're a kid, stay in your box. And it's it's not because anyone's mean. It's I think it's just the people trying to survive, you know. But I finally got these kids to draw a picture of themselves and to write some great things about themselves and it, it, while it was hard at first and while they weren't really, I don't know, they, they really didn't embrace it, but once they did and once they saw that, hey, it's okay, actually I'm okay, I'm a really good person, some of the stuff they wrote was just incredible, you know, I'm a good listener, I'm a good person, I'm a good friend, I'm caring, I'm loving, I'm good at school, you know, stuff like that, very different to what would be written in Australia and perhaps other developing countries. And they they left there with this, it was like a, a ray of sunshine was, was on them and they were beaming and so proud of themselves and it was it was just bloody amazing. So that was that was a youth session and that was fabulous. But with the staff, with the leadership staff, it's I had many surprises and yes, I went over there not I, I guess with, with not many expectations, but I also know what it's like here in Australia to work with teams and there's a little bit of slow going. Sometimes we're not going to share stuff and you know, we're going to embrace it, but I've also got my opinion to add and stuff like that, which is great. But when when I started, I I was really awestruck, to be honest, by the the enthusiasm. They they were like like openly and willingly, like it, it was. They were verbalizing it through through their words, but also through their body language. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. It wasn't a chore. It wasn't a, oh, you know, I've really got emails to do and this is just a pain in the ass to come to training because, you know, I haven't got time for this, which is which is something we hear so often in Australia. And I, and I just, I don't agree with it. I kind of think, no, you should come to training and you should just go, who cares about the emails for one day because I need to invest in me. This is really important. We don't do that well in Australia. 
But they all came with this, wow, what are we going to learn? Come on, tell me more. Show me more. This is fantastic. Embrace it. It was so bloody good. And it surprised me because I wasn't ready for that. When I say I wasn't ready for that, it didn't mean I wasn't up to it and it didn't work out fantastically because it did. But it was kind of like, wow, wow, I did not expect that. The other thing that was incredible was their inclusiveness. And, you know, sometimes you can train groups and there's clickiness or there's rolling of eyes at other people. And, you know, a lot of people think that, they're doing things and they're not seen. I'm up at the front. I can see all that stuff unfolding, but not there. Every single person in that room was so willing to include everybody else and to help each other shine. There were a couple in the room that were very good at English. So if ever there was a concept that, you know, that I, I just couldn't find the way to put across exactly right uh, they would translate it and and really invest the time in making sure that every person in the room understood the concept and they just they just it, it wouldn't even cross their mind to ha- to exclude someone or to to leave someone behind and I found that really fascinating as well psychological safety while we didn't um do it as that I, I I did it as a more a generalistic thing about you know how do we include people how do we make people feel safe how how can people challenge the system and that kind of thing it, there's a there's a, the thing I used is Timothy Clark's four stages of psychological safety and which which of course as I said I didn't present it as that but we talked about and his four levels are inclusion safety, learner safety, contribution and challenger safety. And so I started off with asking, well, how do we include people? And honestly, they looked at me like I had two heads, which I thought was fantastic because they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, how do we make sure that people feel included? And they would, uh, the reason they're looking at me like that was because that's just what you do. Everybody in this room deserves to be included. And all of us go out of our way to make sure that everyone's included and there's no clicky groups or no backstabbing and that kind of stuff, which that was fantastic. That surprised me too because some places in Australia don't even get to that. So that was brilliant. And then learner safety. You know, am I, am, am I safe to ask questions while I'm learning? They they all do that. They all say, how do you do this? There's no pride. There's getting in the way and no... um. No fear that, that that there's a stupid question. They just ask it. And that's amazing. And the next, your contribution. So can I come to work with full autonomy? Can I just come and do my job and know that I'm trusted to do my job? And all of them were like, yeah, yes, because we're here to do a job and we're good at it. And we want to do the right thing. Like we're all here for a reason. And that's another thing, actually, that I must say is that they have a shared purpose which is something that we don't have often in organizations in Australia and other developing countries it's I'm coming to work for my own reasons not for the reasons or values of the organization and for the best of for the best for myself and for others in the organization 
they're they're completely different about that. They they know what the purpose of their um, organization is. They know the vision of it, and they're all aligned to it and fabulously aligned to it. They all go over and above to make sure that vision is met. And when we got to challenger safety, I said, well, "How how safe do you feel to challenge?" And of course, I said it a bit in a different way so that they would completely get what I was talking about. But how safe do you feel to challenge the status quo? How safe do you feel to, um, you know, when you think something could be done better or when you think something's not being done right or how, how confident are you to speak up? And again, they all just looked at me like, why wouldn't you do that? And I said, well, some people don't. And they're like, but if you don't do that, how can you fix things? What a bloody good point. And, you know, I, I I challenge myself for days and days and days. What is this thing? You know, why do they have this attitude? Like, how do we, how do I bring that attitude back to Australia? You know, what is it that we're missing that they've got? I still haven't determined, to be honest, other than, well, there is one thing that I determined and I don't really know how to, I'm still pondering this. But they bring love to work. They deeply care about each other and they show that they deeply care about each other and they they don't they don't hide behind some mask of fear. You know, if I show you I care about you, then you're gonna stab me in the back and you know, they like a lot of us wear masks to work so that we can hide our true feelings and you know save face and all that kind of stuff they don't do that they just bring themselves fully as they are and accept everyone else in the room fully as they are and they truly invest love and care in the success of each other like they care for each other and I don't know how we bring that back here but I'm certainly working on that and it's it's I've been a big, a big um, supporter of that, and, and you, you'll hear me go on about it all the time. Is bring love to work, and a lot of a lot of Australians think, well, you don't bring love to work, you know, you leave that shit at home, and you bring your professional self to work. And to be honest, I don't buy that at all. You, you have to be professional. You have to do your job. You've got responsibilities. You've got accountability, and all that kind of stuff. And you better bloody come to work and do a decent job. But you can still do that with love and we're not. We're just not doing that. For some reason it's too fluffy and it's too fearful and it makes me too vulnerable. That's another thing. We don't even understand vulnerability in the true sense. We think that we come to work and share all our shit and land it on the table and that's vulnerability. No, that's just playing victim. You know, vulnerability is like being brave enough to speak your truth without giving everybody uh, unfolding dramas and God knows what. Anyway, I'll keep moving on. We also did DISC and I absolutely love DISC. I do DISC with so many organisations and DISC is the is such an underpinning part of my Confident Leaders program. And it's when you talk about it week after week or month after month or whatever, people really start to really get it and really start to identify different styles so just to be um 
a very brief overview is there's four personality styles. Um, D, a dominant driver. That's a person who just goes after stuff, gets shit done, you know, digs in like, just goes, swoops in, grabs what they need to do and gets on with it. Don't want to hear the drama, don't want to hear all the fluff. Just let's get this job done. Tick all my list, lists off. The I, the interactive influencer. So the I is a very sociable person, um, tells a lot of jokes, very big with body language, um, always has a positive outlook, doesn't want to be around people bringing him down, uh, Very needs a lot of freedom, flexibility, can't focus for very long because great new ideas keep coming to the surface, but they really are the energizers of the group. And then there's S and a, a stable supporter. I love S's. Well, I love them all, but you know, S is like the glue that holds the world together, and they're really focused on team teamwork, um, or you know, a team being together, harmony, um, stability. How can we not rock the boat? How can we slowly and steady, you know, slow and steady wins a race? That kind of thing. Um, very caring, very warm. Just really, really, just beautiful, you know, beautiful, warm people. Not saying the others aren't, but just S's have got just that little special thing. Um, and C's, the conscientious complier. And C's are like um, really, really stick to the rules. They love accuracy. They uh, need a system. They like to do things in a, in, in order so that, that sort of in logical sequence, um, quite critical about things that are a bit, uh, if there's no evidence, that kind of thing. So anyway, that's a very brief overview. I, I've done another pod episode on it in a little bit more depth if you search back a little bit. But it was interesting because, and I was curious before I left, how is this going to translate in a different country? And of course, my natural belief was that it would and it would be great, but I didn't know. And when we did it, it was fabulous. And there was a couple of D types in there who were very um, hesitant to label themselves as a D. They kept trying to throw themselves in the eye because Ds can, Ds have that really dominant side and uh, a lot of people see it as aggressive and a lot of, you know, like they're angry people, they're mean people, that kind of stuff. That, that couldn't be further from the truth. It's just that we don't understand their motives. We don't, we, we, we operate differently. Therefore, we look at them with our own lens on and we go, oh, geez, they're angry and aggressive. And that, that's not, that's not true. By God, they get shit done. There's a lot of argy-bargy there saying, but a D is fine. It's, it's okay to be a D. Once they both accepted, hey, you know what, I'm a D, um, everything changed for them. They started proudly being a D, you know, and I am decisive and, and I love that I get stuff done. And when people need things done straight away, they come to me. And it was just amazing. And one person in particular, they were having some challenges with, you know, like um, potentially not listening, that kind of stuff. But once they realized this person was a D and once everybody embraced it, Everything changed. That person just flourished and started taking, really taking on leadership because, hey, I'm okay how I am. There's nothing wrong with me. This is fantastic. Look at who I am. And I really, really loved it. And 
I think that uh, the thing that I guess of all of this stuff, I'll stop talking about this now and move on to something else, but I think the thing that was really amazing is that, you know, often we'll try, I'll train a group and um, even though it's experiential and everything else, sometimes they take a while to embrace it this is this is great i've been to training here's all the information that's great and maybe maybe i'll implement it but and most do to be honest but it can take some time these guys didn't there was no time it was just like change now we'll do it right now let's start now and they did and days later they were still talking about the training and still saying well we're doing this differently now because this is what we learned I don't know. Maybe this, maybe, maybe I'm just an overexcitable person, but this is stuff that makes your heart sing. This is why I do this work, but I hadn't even ever done it with them before, and I'm just but excited. Anyway, more about Cambodia. If you haven't been, I think you should go. It's um I would say it's a country filled with people that are steeped in gratitude, kindness, simplicity and community. They're the four words that really stick out to me and they're a very young culture, a young society. Um, in They went through 30 years of war and uh, very different wars and being ambushed, you know, and bombed and um, landmines everywhere and Vietnam encroaching on them and um, landmines all along the border of Thailand and just just so many things and then you've also got you know Pol Pot's regime and the the Khmer Rouge and um, who killed a quarter of the population and they killed people that were academics so anyone who had glasses or soft hands or anything like that that or were teachers doctors lawyers dentists, anybody that was well-educated was was murdered. And um, I don't want to get too macabre and get right into that, but you imagine a quarter of your population and just being murdered and they wanted everybody to be farmers and uh, it was a, a real communist thing. And we went to the, we went to the killing fields in Siem Reap by the way, all the all of this was in Siem Reap, um, which was was very sobering, and it, it was in particular one artist's impression of of based on one man who had been through it, and it was a story of him in paintings all around the room, and then there were the, the um, like a display still in the ground, um, covered over of of skulls and bones and 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 what have you and to to see those pictures and then to see that um you know the remains of people it was I, I didn't have words I I was just well it's it's re, it's reducing me to tears now even thinking about it it was um it touched my heart in in such a way that I, I couldn't even, I couldn't articulate it. And to be honest, I'm trying now and I can't articulate it. 
And it's so with these 30 years of, of wars and utter genocide, you know, and completely being, um, I, I, it's, I'm trying to say it's like this poor country that wasn't poor, by the way, before all these wars. It's this one country that they've deemed, the, the, the rest of the world has deemed, well, that's just a shithole. We, we'll just, we won't have any respect for them. We'll just sort of bomb them and God knows what. And it's kind of like the kid at school that's just the, the, the one that everyone bullies, Do you, you know, that sort of thing, if you convert that to a country. So a lot of the older generation were, were murdered and so now it's a very young culture. And there's a lot of societal PTSD and, um, you know, there was a measure in 2006 that 40-something percent of society had actually had PTSD. So how, my question is, how do, you, how do you get through that? And and come out the other side with PTSD, but still be still have gratitude and kindness and 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 a wonderful sense of community and be warm to people. And how do you do that? You know, so not only do I see them as a very resilient people, but uh, uh, an extraordinary people. Do you know that these are people that on, on some spiritual level I would put them above a lot of the rest of us do you know that how can you how can you endure that and still be so so bloody beautiful so that that anyway that that part of it so we went to the killing fields and uh very sobering we also went to the temples and we saw um with Priya Khan and um I think it was Pray Tom, and I think that's how you say it. It's not in front of me, so I hope I got that right. And where all the trees are growing through the temple. And we went to Angkor Wat. To be honest, no, Angkor Wat didn't do it for me like the others did. It was just a bit too, I don't know, bland or something. But, um, you know, there was a, I, I walked up the stairs at Angkor Wat, and by God, these stairs go straight up, I can tell you. If you're scared of heights, it's a bit of a, and I was like climbing them up thinking, why would they build? Why do they build a, a, a floor this high up? But when I got to it, you could see over the walls and you could see people, the enemy coming from miles. So all these temples were built as almost like as forts and they're, they're nearly all in ruins now. Um, oh, Anchor what's not and some of the others are not, but they're, they're starting to fall down. And... You know, I just think these are uh, several hundred years old. But while looking at these temples and while being in them, I was like, can you imagine how grand this was in its day? Just like in the temples, there's a center point and then everything is, I don't, I don't actually know the proper word that I that I need to say, but um, the dimensions are all the same in, in north, south, east and west and they're all built north, south, east and west. They have entrances at each point. Um, everything's like the exact same distance out from this centre point. Um, symmetrical is one word I'm coming up with. There is another word I need. I can't find it. But 
they did the 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 work that would have gone into making these temples is just extraordinary to stand there and just be amongst it and to look at the majestic grandness of these temples is was phenomenal well sad part about the temples is that we were met with a dog um, met, 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 met by a dog in one of the temples and um, it had a terrible terrible skin condition and that is a, a problem for a lot of the dogs over there they're not necessarily abused some are um, but they're just kind of left on their own to wander and breed with each other and it's almost like there's this uh a dual universe going on you know the dogs are living in their universe and the humans are living in theirs and somehow they harmoniously just um coexist it's it's quite fascinating really now this dog had um terrible terrible skin condition and it was a big like scabies and um What's that that wombats get? And I can't think. A mange, do you, you know that that just really, really awful looking and big, uh, big holes all over it. You know, from that were like abscesses. It was just really terrible. Anyway, we reported the dog to um, Animals of Our World, which is an animal rescue place over there, and they uh, went out and they didn't find that dog. Unfortunately, they're going to keep looking, but they did find three other dogs in that condition and we sent quite a bit of money over there to them to um, make sure they could treat them so really happy that we were able to help but still very sad for this one dog that they haven't been able to find yet so there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on and it's quite a culture culture shock you know is that not a shock as in uh, I, I guess you realize you're privileged you know it's a real reminder of privilege and but at the same time um, there were so many times I was like, I could live this life. I could live this life so much easier than the life that I actually do live. The simplicity um, made me come home thinking I need to simplify and I have thrown out so much stuff, cleaned up so much stuff and feel so much better for it. I think we just gather so much stuff and we don't need it, you know, we Anyway, oh, that's another whole thing. We also went to Apopo rats, and they are rats that um, have learned, have been trained to clear landmines. Now, to keep this shorter or keep it at a reasonable length, I'm going to talk about Apopo rats in a different episode. But basically, they've been trained to train to clear landmines and to detect tuberculosis. These rats were absolutely incredible so i want to do a whole episode on them because i actually want you to understand that rats are not a bloody vermin but they are an incredible incredibly beneficial animal that we need to work alongside so i'll do that later so we also went to cool an elephant forest the story that i've heard and i've heard it from several sources so i believe that it's probably true um is that these elephants were used for logging and for people were riding them and which means that they were stolen as babies and were put through the crush method which is um complete abuse uh so that they would become submissive so that they would work for people which i totally oppose totally oppose um but the 
the son of the guy who owned them said that this, hey, this is really unethical, Dad. Um, we shouldn't be treating our animals like this. And the father was like, well, I, I agree and I don't like I don't like it, but what am I meant to do? If, I can't just let them go because... We have had them since babies and they won't they won't survive, they won't manage and I can't feed them. And the son came up with the idea, well, how about we charge tourists to come and visit them and then that money can pay for their food. So they ended up um, creating a sanctuary and now these elephants are not ridden. They roam freely. Um, they do roam with a mahout, so the, you know, they, they when there's visitors there, they they walk alongside these guys so it was incredible and to I don't know maybe this is another episode but it was utterly incredible to be with the elephants and not for entertainment purpose just for just to be there just to be there and coexist with them it was really really fabulous um I think I'm going to, and I should also say that part of Heartprint, they also have a a hotel called the Bygone Boutique Hotel, and we stayed there, and it's, they use it as a training facility to help, to help train people to, you know, and give them work, you know, so that they can, um, or have jobs and that kind of thing, and it was fabulous, I know I keep saying fabulous, but it was such a great trip, and so many wonderful things, and there's so much good stuff going on over there, so shout out to the bygone, because it was absolutely marvellous, I think the thing that I really want to say is that, you know, when we think about travel, when I said about going to Cambodia, a couple of people said to me, oh my god, I'd never go there, god, don't get killed, and yeah, of course, any of us can get killed at any time when we're traveling anywhere, even out of our front door. But this, it was just showing that the whole Khmer Rouge thing is still strong in people's minds and, and people haven't moved on. And But I felt like it was, in fact, I felt so safe. Vietnam was great, but it wasn't as good as Cambodia. And I reckon if you're going to travel... Put Cambodia on your list because it was such a good, such a good place. I'm also going to say that uh, Nikki and I are working on retreats, and we will be taking people to Cambodia to do um, immersive retreats. So hang on to that information because it is coming, and that's about it but anyway just you know I just wanted to share that because I think that we we sort of hear about Cambodia and we all we think about is kids in orphanages and some of them are dodgy and some of them are not you know that kind of stuff or somebody went over there to do something but we don't really think well what is Cambodia who is Cambodia who are these people they're real bloody people with really amazing hearts and if we if we tour there put money into it you know they get an opportunity to work like Anyway, I, I really loved it. It's it's changed my world. Uh, I would love you to think about some of the things that I talked about today and think, how can we do better? How can we do better in wherever you're from? How can we simplify and how can we have more kindness and more gratitude? And how do we build a greater sense of community where we include people and we just naturally, naturally accept people for who they are and invite them into our space how do we do that better 
Because if we do that better, we're going to have a much better world. So that's enough on Cambodia. I also want to say that next week, um, all going well and things do go skewy with some some things you've got planned. But um, if you have seen on Netflix, there's a movie called The Good Nurse and where there was a male nurse killing people and one of his best friends had to be the one that locked him up. And that person was Amy Loughran. And all going well, Amy will be on the podcast next week. So I would suggest you go and watch The Good Nurse on Netflix prior to listening to that episode with Amy. And you're going to love that episode. So I hope you've loved this one. I'm going to talk about the rats another time. And because I just think what they're doing is just out of this world. And I hope this... This um, episode has brought some reflections and hope that it positively impacts your life. So until next week, thank you very much for joining me every week and or when you can and very much appreciate it. So I'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. I hope this episode inspired you to take action. If you'd like to reach out, then I'd love to hear from you. Info at getoffthebench.com.au and check out my website, kerenvaughan.com. Otherwise, keep believing in yourself, celebrate the tiny wins and keep moving in the right direction. 